Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and we drink a new bottle of wine. Yes, we do. And today we are talking how to create a healthy sex life with sex expert, author, and podcast host, Tracy Cox. (gasps) Tracy Cox. Yes, I'm so- A sexpert. She's a sexpert. Yeah. She really is. And we're going to be talking with her about- how sex changes as we get older, how to effectively communicate with your partner in the bedroom, and how to build a sex-positive home. All things that people can benefit from. Totally, totally. And Mm. I'm so excited because I actually found Tracy on TikTok. Tracy Cox on TikTok. Yes, I found her on TikTok. (laughs) I DM'd her on Instagram, and then now she's here. And here she is. She's going to be here. But uh, first, Natalie, before we get into the sex talk- Sexy talk. Let's drink this bottle of wine. What yes. are we drinking? Okay, we are drinking the Joel Gott Sauvignon Blanc. Ooh. These are very affordable and very delicious. However, I will say this, I'm not sure if this one's going to be good or not because it is 2015. Oh, so is it like maybe spoiled? It might be a little over the hill. We're going to find out. It might be delicious. We're I think it might be amazing. I'm holding out hope. Very refreshing. Dip in the pool. Mm-hmm. ASMR. Oh, and it's such a nice summery day. This is yes. This is okay. A good one. Cheers. Cheers. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I feel like I always say. I feel like we always go. Hmm. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> Our poor listeners are like, They're "What like, does it taste like, bitch?" No. I will also say that this has a twist top. Yes, which is which is a, a qualifier yeah. for for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like it's. We are in the midst of wedding season. It is officially popping up in these streets. You just came back from a wedding. Mm -hmm. I just came back from a bachelorette party. We're tired. We're tired. (laughs) We are very tired. Yeah, I just got back from a full week of wedding festivities. You you were the maid of honor. I was the maid of honor. I wrote my speech. The morning of. The morning of. (laughs) But you crushed, I I heard. But I crushed it. It went very well. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Very memorable. Yeah. I'm just like realizing though, like after coming back from my bachelorette party, which was Burning Man themed. It looked so fun. It was really fun. Yeah. And it was like all my college girlfriends and it was, we were in the desert and it was really fun. But the whole week after, comatose. Yeah. Like that's how could I not move. And I'm just like, wow, I really, 27 hits it different. It's so different. <laughs> I know. And like my biggest mistake of all time, and I've been, complaining about this to Corinne all week. I'm like, I should not have packed my week this much. Yeah. Because I had to make up for last week. Yeah. So now you yeah. I'm now you're exhausted and you have the most work you've ever had. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it wasn't smart. It wasn't smart on my part, but hey, here we are. And I've got a glass of wine, and we're just going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Yeah. And the reason that we wanted to have Tracy on and want to have this conversation today is that healthy sex is really a crucial component of a healthy life. And it's really often this very taboo subject, and we're left too scared to ask questions about it or to communicate our needs. And so this week, we wanted to bring on someone to answer very common sex questions so that we can learn how to advocate for ourselves in the bedroom and make sex a less taboo subject. 
And Tracy really does that. She's really she good at like so making good. it normal yeah. and comfortable. Super and, comfortable. Yeah. And very just like conversational. Mm-hmm. So let's give her a little intro. Yes. So she is a UK-based international sex and relationship expert with an academic background in psychology. She's hosted several TV series both in the UK and the US and has written, pause for effect, 17 books that are available in 140 countries and translated into over 20 languages. And her bestsellers are Hot Sex and Super Sex. Whoa, what is Super Sex? Super Sex, (laughs) we gotta get that one. Um, She's appeared on Oprah, CNN, The Today Show, as well as many primetime news and chat shows worldwide. And she's got a weekly column with the Daily Mail. And her latest venture is a weekly podcast with award-winning literary podcaster Zibby Owens, and it's called Sex Talk. Talk, as in like T-O-K, like TikTok, but Sex Talk. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So let's bring on Tracy. Tracy. Hello, Tracy. We are so happy to have you on. Oh, hi. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to it. It's quite nice doing stuff for young yeah. women. I like doing stuff for young women. You know what? I actually saw you on TikTok and then I found your Instagram and then I messaged you because I loved what you were talking about. It just, I feel like people don't have these open conversations about sex and you've written like over a dozen books, mm-hmm. right? Like 17, yeah. 18 books? <clears throat> 17 books. Oh over a long period of time, though. Yeah, I know that is long. But you've got to bear in mind, this is in the days when before the internet came along, sex books were all people had to find information. And I was writing two a year, as well as doing TV shows, radio shows, God knows what else. And then all of a sudden the internet came along, it was like, no more sex books. <laughs> it was quite interesting. <laughs> so, and then it came back again because people did still need them, but not as much as, as you kind of did back then. So you are in, when you talk about there's not that much information out there for women and sex, you're in the right generation because you think it's bad now, you should have seen it back then. Like at least now right. there are tons of podcasts, there are tons of places that you can get really good information from actually. Yeah. I'm curious because, you know, sex has been a, it's always been a taboo thing to talk about. Were you always comfortable talking about sex? Like what inspired you to start writing these sex, dating, relationship books? Um, I think it was, I had a big sister who's four years older than me and she works for family planning or works for family planning which deals a lot with contraception and STIs and all that sort of stuff. So she would be coming home to me and sort of like giving me pamphlets about sex. And and I don't know whether it was a bit of that where I got really used to reading things like how to tell if you have herpes or how to put on a condom. <laughs> And then my mum and my dad split up when I was 15. And I remember just thinking, wow, these forces of sex and love are incredibly powerful. And so Um, then when I went to university, I was a little bit um, stuffed up by it all and got attracted to psychology and sex therapy because of it, which everybody who does psychology has always got a drama in their past or a trauma in their past. And then, uh but I've always loved writing. So then I didn't know whether to, I did journalism as well as psychology and I wanted to be a writer, but then I wasn't sure whether or not I wanted to be a sex therapist. And I'm so glad that I didn't become a sex therapist because I think it's really difficult for sex therapists because they they sort of deal with the same stuff all the time. It's always like, oh, yeah. Uh, 
And I don't know whether I would have been very good doing that. Plus, I'm not very good at disassociating from people. So I'd end up looking after people forever and ever and ever. So that I did, <laughs> I did it. So that's kind of how I got into it, as well as answering, was I always comfortable talking about sex? But yeah, I was. My family were really open talking about sex. I don't know why. There was nothing particularly special about our family, but we never we weren't <laughs> religious. We weren't, and I think when your parents divorce, you're forced into having a grown-up relationship with them quite early because yeah. then mm. you have to see them as these flawed human beings who've actually had sex with somebody they shouldn't have and you can't pretend anymore that they're your mum and dad who don't have sex if you know what I mean <laughs> right right yeah well you were saying how you know now information is so much more widely available and you actually just started your podcast called sex talk even with all the information on the internet and in books did you feel like it was important to make it even more widely available um yes I did and because uh, Podcasts are definitely the way to go, number one. And yeah. number two, I think particularly for not so much for your generation, but for, and I'm surprised that TikTok picked up on it, to be frank. I was like, wow. And these are all young people looking at this. So I originally thought this is going to be great for middle-aged women who probably haven't had that much exposure to somebody like me who tends to talk quite bluntly about sex. But I was amazed that on TikTok, it was like, what's it doing on TikTok? Why is it getting so many hits? And especially the thing that horrified me actually was when it was the one about that only 20% of women orgasm during penetrative sex, during intercourse. And honestly, yes. I think that's the one that I saw. Yeah. I think that was the TikTok of yours I saw. That's the one that got the most hits. And, and I was really like, really? Do people not know this? How can they not know this? I was astounded that most women didn't know it. So please tell me you guys knew that before then, right? I I, did. I actually kind of figured that out on my own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess we didn't know like the percentage was so low. It makes yeah. sense, but it's just yeah. like, I guess we didn't really know like it's that low. It is that low. And people don't know things like that because I think that they, I think women lie to other women as well. Like you, mm -hmm. if you sort of say, mm -hmm. well, oh, I have no problems. And then you're like, oh yeah, I don't either. I mean, not now, obviously at my age, but back in you, when you're in your people pleasing early teens, you know, early twenties, late teens, early twenties, I think we all want to be part of a group and we don't want to be seen as anything different. So I think it's very easy yes. for women to lie to each other about stuff like that. We need to stop that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm curious if you also think that men and women have been lied to by mm -hmm. the media about what's supposed to feel good, what doesn't feel good, things like that. I feel like that's also a really important factor in all of this. Oh my God. I'm always shouting at the television. My poor partner. My <laughs> husband's going, I'll just shut up. Because I honestly, they have middle-aged couples who've been together for about 25 years who suddenly wake up and have all this hot sex against a wall. And it's like, it's not like that long-term. That's just not what happens it is not what happens no one ever does foreplay they penetrate within about two seconds flat don't they and it's like this is not real sex but we are being fed this all the time if we're not being fed that we're being fed porn this mm. is not a realistic inter you know it's, it's a little bit better in some shows I'm trying to think now girls was pretty good I thought Okay. Okay. Yeah. Normal, normal people. Did you watch that one? By um, I didn't. I yeah. didn't see that one, but I know it was really good. Yeah. I think that portrayed sex as sex really is. But there are very, very few um, places that show sex as it really is. So yes, we're lied to all the time. We're told that hot desire lasts forever, no matter how long you're with somebody, and it doesn't. You have to really work at that, and you just have to accept that it changes. 
We're told that women are ready for sex within two seconds flat, um, that they don't need foreplay. We're told that it, it still perpetuates the myth that intercourse is the, you know, the whole thing that we're all working up to. I mean, the amount of times that people say to me, does it count? Is it count as a sex session if you don't have intercourse? Well, of course it counts. Sex is sex. Sex is a passionate kiss. Sex is, you know, foreplay is sex. We need to move away from this thing that foreplay is something you do before sex. Sex, that is sex. Yeah. So, yes, we're lied to by the media about all sorts of things. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about how, with the age of the internet, if porn has like influence, especially like young men as to what they think it think, is yeah. or how they think they're supposed to do it. Absolutely. I mean, young men are using porn as sex education and porn is mm-hmm. sex inspiration, not education. Mm. It, and they, and this is where all these awful things like choking and threesomes and, you know, not what the threesomes is awful, but expecting that this is the norm is, is not right. They look at that and they think, okay, because they these kids have been brought up on it since they were 10. So they, and no one talks to them about porn. Their parents don't go, hey, you know what? You're 10 or 12, you're going to be looking at porn and this is not real and this is not how real sex is. So just so you know, that would be helpful, mum and dad. That would be really helpful. And yeah. But they don't. So they brought up watching whatever categories they watch where they see women worshipping the penis, you know, having sex with loads of men, you know, wanting to be choked, wanting to all this stuff. Mm. And then they go out with women who then, you know, then they you know go out with young women who then feel all, they've been watching porn too and falling for the same thing and thinking that, yes. you know, this is what I should have to do to please a man. I mean, it's important. Yes, I've, I've had this theory for a while that it's like this cell, it's like the snowball effect. It's like men learn, especially with like the, um, you know, women orgasming, not through penetrative mm-hmm. sex, women have learned to, you know, vocalize to certain things from porn, from the media. And that's negatively reinforced men who are like, well, this always works for the girls that, I, you know, that I've been Ooh. with. And it's like, well, they, right. And then it's like, well, they've been doing something for you. And like, no one's really benefiting here. And you have to like break the cycle somewhere because everyone's, you know, one person's performing and the other person's getting misinformation. Yep. And so I've gotten that that argument a lot. Well, this works for everybody else, and it's like oh my God. it's just it's just ridiculous. It, whenever men say that, I always I actually want to laugh out loud into their faces because it's like, well, do you not think that maybe she was lying? Don't I? And they say, oh, I could tell. I can really tell when a woman's had an orgasm. Well, you cannot tell. There is no sign that would ever tell you whether she's had an orgasm for sure. Only she knows whether she's had an orgasm. And men are used to women faking. And women fake all the time. And women are going to have to break this cycle because it sure as hell isn't going to be men. We have to stop lying and educate our very first boyfriends to say, right, this is how it works. We can only have an orgasm through clitoral stimulation. Now, you can do this by doing this, this and this, you know, and, and we need to understand our bodies and recognize that, in fact, the clitoris just isn't that tip that we see. But it's massive. It goes like in two legs. It runs the body of the clitoris is about two centimeters long. It runs in legs down the side. So there are lots of ways to stimulate the clitoris without just stimulating the little tip of it. So that's all about moving yourself around during um, penetrative sex so that you you know can actually um, stimulate the inner clitoris as well. So we need to be more educated about our bodies and we need to be telling men, young men. So very early on, they understand. 
Yeah. So yeah. how do you suggest going about that being better, commu- a better communicator with your partner without making them feel self-conscious or like, Oh my God, have I been doing it wrong the whole time? And I'm now I'm, you know, nervous or whatever. I think it's really difficult because at the very beginning, when everybody's trying to please, no one wants to come out and go, Hey, you know what? Oh, your girlfriends have been lying. And I'm going to be the only one at the very beginning because you want them to like you. So we, we, and that's exactly Mm -hmm. when you fake it most is at the beginning because you want them to like you. You don't really, really feel like having a big discussion, but so I think kind of maybe if you're with somebody, I mean, if it was casual sex, I'd just say straight out, this is what I need to orgasm because who cares if casual sex is all very selfish, right? But in relationships, I would maybe wait a month into your sexual relationship. And that's when I would be starting to say things like, hey, you know, have you been reading all this stuff or did you listen? Just make up something. Say, I was watching a thing on TikTok about women not orgasming. That's how you bring it into conversation. Then he'll say, oh, but you do. Or, and then you can just, just tell a white lie and say, yeah, most of the time I do, but you know what? Most, you know, or some of the time I do, but do you know what? Some of the time I do, it would be helpful if you did this and this and this. And then you sort of break them into it slowly until they, they sort of understand. And also don't just make it about you. Say things like, and what do you like? Because there's really loads of myths about men as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, who'd be a man? I have the opposite to penis envy because with us, everything's hidden for them when they first have sex with somebody they've got to hope like hell that you like the look of his penis the size of his penis that it's going to work well yeah. that he's going to get an erection that he's going to keep the erection that he's going to orgasm at the right time you know it's a lot of stress on men as well so they're panicking as much as we're thinking you're getting it all wrong they're trying <laughs> to live up to their ideal of what the movies are telling them and tv's telling them yeah. they're of them it's a right yeah I've never I've never thought about it the other way that's all the pressure that men are going through as well and all of these expectations that they're trying to live up to in their own head and it's so interesting how there's completely different dialogues going on in our brains it's just very interesting I'm curious how you think getting to the point of being able to communicate with your partner like that comes at a certain age I'm curious how you think like sex evolves over time like from our teenagehood to your 20s your 30s and then even you know way you know beyond that like how sex normally it gets better with age right is that fingers crossed (laughs) that's what I've heard how old are you or or I haven't been lied to from the media to how how old are you two we're both 27 oh you? gosh you both look very young for 27 um <laughs> I think that yeah I think when you're when you first start out in sex it's all about just isn't it experimenting learning I think mm-hmm. women particularly in their late teens early 20s I watch my stepdaughter she's 20 and to me it seems like it's a lot about testing your sexual power it's a lot about that. I think it's quite people pleasing sex in your 20s. I think women are quite concerned with wanting to be liked. And I think there's a lot of, oh, yeah, no, that's great, honey. And yeah, no, you're fantastic. And that very female thing. But at your age, 27, I think interesting things happen 27 until about 35, because I think you get more confident, you know your body better. You have discussions like this. Mm-hmm. You're like going, well, hey, this is, you know, this isn't just me. It's actually everybody. And and you you probably then form quite adult relationships with a bit better communication because, you you know, you're probably thinking about settling down maybe. Or you just tend to have more settled adult relationships at that age, which means generally better communication, talking about sex. Um, 
And of course, it all depends on your motivation, though, because if you're a 27 year old who has a high sex drive and really enjoys sex and wants it to be good, then you probably are going to start, you know, seeking out men who understand women's bodies or making sure they do and talking to them about it. But if you haven't got a very high libido, you're probably not going to bother, which is sort of, again, one of those snowballing things. Because if you don't have a high libido, you put no effort into sex. If you're a female that doesn't try and make sex better, you have to do it yourself, right? You have to know your body. You have to masturbate to know how to orgasm. You have to teach your partner. It's not easy. You probably don't put as much effort into it, which means you're set up for a lifetime of bad sex, which means you're going to hate it even more. So it's very interesting the way life goes with all that. So I think, yeah, for females, you have start to have good sex, 27 to 35. And then, of course, if you have kids, then, hello, buy sex drive. That is, oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got all that to contend with young children because nothing kills a sex drive more than young children because you're knackered. You're absolutely exhausted. You know, and yes. as much as they want to help, you know, can't help as much. So you go through that period. Then you come out of that period where the kids grow up a bit and you probably rediscover it a bit. And then you get to, like, I've just written a book called Great Sex Starts at 50. You get to 50 and then you've got menopause to deal with. But then what happens at 50 also is that you get lots of women who stayed maybe in bad relationships or boring marriages and go, you know what, done it now, done everything for them. I've done the kids. This is going to be me. Ditch the boring husband, run off and usually have sex with some nice young guy who they've and end up having great sex and because they understand their bodies so it is a real roller coaster but it's very much in your control you know your sex life is determined by you if you make the effort to understand your body if you make the effort to make sure that your partners are educated choose the right partners who are open to being educated then you will have great sex if you want to just leave it up to the bloke for the rest of your life you're going to have awful sex (laughs) it really it really is our like you were saying in the beginning it's the women's it's our decision to to make our sex lives better and also just break this cycle that men and women have been stuck in yeah and it is so largely based in like lack of communication it is and it's a myth like this myth that women have a lower sex drive than men that's absolutely not true at all women I get bored very quickly, much more quickly than men. Like if you said to a guy who was 20, right, you're going to have the same sex every single, like five days a week with exactly the same sex for the rest of your life. He'd go, you know what, that's fine. If you said that to a woman, she'd go, are you crazy? (laughs) Women need novelty and excitement and adventure and eroticism. We're the ones that live in our heads and want fantasies. You know, so women don't, have a lower libido we're bored give a woman great sex and suddenly she'll be interested it's just that men could because they orgasm so easily they don't care yeah and then that's so wow i've never thought of it like that i'm curious so since women get bored more easily than men do what are some healthy sex practices for like long-term relationships like how do you you know keep things interesting or just keep you know the communication going i think number one you need to set up a regular masturbatory session so masturbate regularly best thing you can do as a female keeps everything in good nick keeps you you in touch with how you orgasm all that sort of stuff but also don't just try and do it with a vibrator even though everybody does because it's easy but make sure you know a partner friendly method that you can teach your partner if like some women find it impossible to orgasm 
through um, without using a vibrator. So if that's the case, then you just introduce the vibrator to your partner. Hey, this is how I need to be. You know, this is how I, I orgasm. So can we make sure we use it in bed with each other? Now, if you're going to do that, by the way, don't choose your rabbit. Choose a nice slimline vibrator that's not threatening because men are terrified about size anything you bring out they're going to go oh my god oh so you can't bring a big (laughs) so they will they feel so threatened by everything I couldn't just tell you they are so threatened by size and hardness of erection and all that sort of stuff but I think a regular masturbation habit is very good it keeps you in touch with your body and it keeps your libido nice and topped up Um, The other thing is communication, yes, but I would say also manage your expectations. Don't get fooled by the media. Don't be thinking, well, hang on, you know, why why am I not, you know, being thrown across the bed when we've been together 10 years, you know, because no one throws people across the bed after 10 years. (laughs) Do if you plan sex or make a point and go, okay, right, how about we come up with something new once a month, just taking turns, you know, long term, come up with something new once a week or, you know, like get Put as much effort into your sex life as you do the rest of your relationship. And I mean, we don't go, we don't eat the same meal every night. We don't go to the same restaurant every single time, but we have sex. Most couples in exactly the same way, exactly the same way, exactly the same time period spent on each thing. And we and then we go, I don't know why I'm bored. Well, <laughs> you'd be bored if you ate spaghetti bolognese every night and you only went to an Italian. But then we think that it's somehow magically meant to sort itself out. And it doesn't, it's not magic. It's not it's not natural it's not you know it's it is natural but you have to put effort into it you have to yeah I didn't even think about like the time because you feel like it's you know always at the end of the night when you're exhausted but just kind of finding different times even just that was like yes, changing things up a little bit day. and also we get it all wrong like I I don't want to come for a big dinner out, big romantic dinner out and have sex at the end of the night. I'm knackered. My stomach's too full. How do you you go out, right? I actually, I read an article saying, saying too full to fuck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is. Seriously. So, you know, all that stuff. Have sex before you go out. Like if you want to get dressed up, have a glass of wine, then go off and have sex and then go out and have dinner. Everybody's happy. Don't leave it to the last thing. Do not leave it. A lot of sex problems and and especially differing sexual drives can be fixed if you do it a different time of day. Because it's generally, so if somebody wants more sex more, it tends to be that they want, they've got a higher motivation and they want it late at night and they're more highly motivated. Even if they're tired, they'll still do it. But if you have got low motivation for sex and you're tired at the end of the day you're not going to want to do it so just do it in the morning do it in the afternoon on the weekends do it whenever you can that suits both of you yeah you had touched on you said you know have a glass of wine go out whatever and this is actually a, a listener question but there's there's just no denying that you have a couple drinks and you're you're more comfortable and you're more confident but what happens if you can only enjoy sex after being, being intoxicated yeah or high or whatever very common very common in all age groups, can I tell you? Um, but mm-hmm. your age group, because I think you're so used to having sex when you're drunk, because that's how most people have first time sex with a partner is when they're drunk. Um, the problem with having sex when you're drunk is that, I mean, one or two drinks, fine, great. You know, releases inhibitions. There's studies that show that after women have had one or two drinks, that they have higher testosterone in their blood. So for some reason, alcohol stimulates testosterone, which we know is linked to sex drive. So there is something in it. It's not just that it relaxes inhibitions and makes you happy and giggly and puts you more in the mood and you lose your inhibitions a bit. So one or two drinks, fine. Most couples in the world do that if they drink, right? But once you get into three or four or more, 
everything goes wrong. He has trouble with erections. You have trouble with orgasms, which are not that easy at the best of time, because it's not just your brain that goes comfortably numb or your, your sensitivity or nerve endings go numb. So it's much harder to orgasm with too much alcohol than it is with no alcohol. And the orgasms are much more intense without alcohol. So if you, it's like if you have sex, I hate morning sex, but if you have sex in the morning, <laughs> it's so much more intense. You're like, wow, I've forgotten how intense this feels because I always have sex after a few wines usually. So you do, and also the thing with drunk sex and, and sober sex is drunk sex, you're likely to do more risque things like, oh, let's go mm-hmm. out and have semi-public sex or something. But sober sex or soberish sex, you're more likely to make more of an effort with each other. You're more, more likely to try a new position, try a new technique, go into another room, go, you know what I mean? Like, because it's energy. When you, the more you drink, the less yeah. you just take the easy, lazy way. And it also doesn't send a great message to your partner if you have to be drunk, because it basically says, look, you know, I don't either fancy that much because I have to get drunk to, have, you know, that's the message it gives. Or I don't actually like having sex with you that much. That's why I have to drink to get through it. Because mm-hmm. some people don't just drink to get in the mood. They drink because they actually hate what they're doing. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I didn't even think about that. Mm. Okay, sorry, we have we have another listener question that I want to make sure we we ask you, it's kind of just off topic, but um, we had a listener ask, is it normal to not get wet during sex? Yes. And this is something that absolutely made me go livid was I have always just, I suppose because I'm, I'm not your average person because I've been talking about sex since I was so young, but I've had people say, or women say to me, oh, I don't use lube because my partner gets upset or thinks it's cheating. Or it's like, what the hell? Yes. And yeah, it is. Oh, wow. It's like, listen, our lubrication system isn't just based on arousal. First up, most men were better at sex and gave us more foreplay than we would lubricate probably a lot more easily. But it's not just affected by that. It's affected by medication. It's affected by time of the month. It's affected by how much water you've drunk, how much alcohol you've drunk. So many different factors. You could be as turned on as hell and still not lubricate. It's like him with an erection. He can be as turned on as hell and not get an erection because if he's tired, if he's stressed, if he's you know drunk too much, it's not. A, people use it as a measure of are they into me? Are, is she aroused? She's wet. Is he aroused with an erection? Not true. And some people just don't lubricate that much. So it's no, it's not true. So it doesn't. And lots of women struggle with this. And women struggle with painful sex because of this because they feel like god you know i'm not lubricating but they feel embarrassed using lube or like their partners judge them for it then they go ahead having sex when they're not lubricated it hurts then your body goes this isn't very good i know what's you know if this penis is coming near me i'm just going to tense up and then it's a another snowballing awful situation so mm-hmm. if you're not lubricating properly i mean if you're worried about being judged just just put some lube high into the vagina before you start having sex with your partner and it will naturally work its way down right you know if you're worried about it personally I don't think any woman should have sex without using extra lube I think you should always have good quality lube beside you and be using it all the time because of the reason I just said because you know lubrication doesn't happen as you know automatically as you think it should so and you know just just happens some days it's there and some days it's not yeah it's like totally varies on so many different factors not just arousal well also say what i was thinking when you were talking about 
the reverse and how like a man could be super aroused and not get an erection. And it's like, if you were in the position of being in a relationship, your boyfriend's like, well, what the heck is that about? Like, you know, are you not turned on? You could communicate that to him and say, well, sometimes you're turned on, but you know what I mean? That might open up the conversation. Yeah. And I'm probably, I'm just thinking that I'm coming across a bit man bashing here, but I'm not, I'm not man bashing. I'm just, women are so much more complicated sexually than men, but we're not. If they understood took some time to find out how our bodies work, which is very different to how their bodies work, it would all be easy. And I guess I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that all these years, men still haven't come to the party. They still don't seem (laughs) to figure it out. And it's like, Jesus, I've been talking about this since I was 25. I'm now 60, for God's sake. Like, who is, where are they? You know, why don't they figure this out? Well, well, you're you are doing you are really doing the work, Tracy. I mean, you are this even this conversation. I feel like is going to be so powerful for so many women, and just being able to break that cycle. And even men, like my boyfriend, listens to this podcast. He's going to love hearing this episode and just like not feeling bashed, but just being like, oh wow, like you know, I learned something today or whatever. And so even though you're frustrated, you really are doing the work. You're helping so many people. I have a question for you about. What a sex positive household looks like. I mean, you said you grew up in a house where, you know, your parents talked about sex, Mm -hmm. but how do we, for our listeners who have, you know, young children at home or teenagers at home, how do we effectively talk about sex with children without, you know, scarring them (laughs) or introducing them to something that they're not ready to understand by talking about sex? Let me tell you, you will not. Um, There is a brilliant book, by the way, that's just been come out for anyone who has a kid should read it called No Shame. And it's by the shameless psychiatrist. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's called No Shame. But anyway, but what you need to do if you've got a child or you've got a teenager, everyone has in their head that you've got to have this big talk that you've got to sit on, honey, I need to talk to you about this. Well, no kid's going to want to talk about that. You just talk, you start having little tiny conversations. So for instance, when you're, you know, when your kids are small, don't say, you know, you you don't call them a wee-wee, you call it a vagina, you call it a clitoris, you call it, a, you know, when they're four or five, but I mean, even pre then really. I mean, my sister, because she spoke, um, worked at family planning, she always called everything correctly and she answered all of her kids' questions. And I remember my um, my niece and nephew, Maddie and Charlie, being staying over there once because I lived in Sydney and used to come up to Brisbane. And I <laughs> being there and, and I heard Charlie say to Maddie, and, you know, they were tiny. They must, must have been five or six. He said, what's a virgin again? She said, someone who hasn't had penetrative sex. <laughs> oh, my God, have you done your job, my sister? Brilliant. So it's, and she did that through little conversations. So, mm-hmm. and again, you say things like, oh, I read this, you know, to your teenage girl that you've never spoken to about sex before. You say, God, I was reading this about that most teenage girls, you know, don't realize that, you know, most men want more than just sex, that men are as interested in love as well. And, you know, I pick a love sex topic and bring it in that way. Just, just start bringing up sex the same way you would every other topic. You, know, you don't sit there and go, I'm going to teach you about food now and talk to them for an hour. <laughs> you teach them food as right. you're going along. So it's when you see something interesting in, I mean, I did this with my stepdaughter. It was like, God, I read today that, you know, no one's using condoms anymore. Do people use condoms in your class? Do people use condoms in your generation? And she eventually was like, I don't want to talk about that. And now she talks about it easily. So it's just having little bite-sized conversations about sex is the best thing you can do for everybody in that household, mum and dad included. So, but honestly, please don't, 
think that the schools are going to do your job for you as a parent because mm. they are not. It's abysmal. Yeah. Please don't leave your kid to find out about sex through porn because they're just going to learn the most awful lessons about sex. And friends try and help as much as they can, but they only have limited information as well. Watch Sex Education. Get your kids watching that. You know that show? Oh, I love I love that show. Fantastic. It's such a good show. It's it's coming back for a third season. I and I can't. I know. Wait. I can't wait too. But we all need a little Otis running around that we can go and ask. This is the guy who's called Gillian Anderson. Her son is a sex. Um, yeah. Is, he's she's a sex um, therapist, and he's he sort of is a, her little protege, isn't he? Really, he's running around with money <laughs> for it. But um. But yeah. So so or you know just yeah just talk about it. Communicate about it. Don't use the correct terms and educate. If you have daughters, please talk to them. Explain that all orgasms originate through the clitoris. If she is one of the lucky 20% who can, you know, climax through penetrative sex, it's because anatomically, probably her clitoris is a little bit closer to the opening of the vagina and it gets mm-hmm. pulled during, so inadvertently stimulated. So all of these things, I mean, if you knew that when you were young, it makes life so much easier, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, what I'm thinking about too is even for parents, like, you know, some people our age are parents and we're still learning a lot of these things. And so what would be like your top three books that you have written for people who need to just get like a better baseline understanding of everything before they can have that conversation with their kids or their teenagers or whatever? All right. My very first book I ever wrote was called Hot Sex, How to Do It. It's 20 years old. It's a bit, listen, you're going to have to close your eyes with some of the bits because it's not very woke because of how much things have changed. But it does cover all of the basics. But but I'm trying to think of another good sex book that's more, um, I definitely say No Shame for people with kids. Mm-hmm. The book that I've just written is for over 50s, but that's not your demographic. I'm trying to go because I'm sort of, yeah, I don't know. I should have to come well, back to listen to your podcast. Yeah. Or your, or just your podcast yeah. where you're having conversations podcast. like this that are so helpful. I do. And there's lots of practical stuff in there. And my website has tons and tons of information as well. I think I'm going to, the minute you get off, I'm going to think of a really good general sex book. But yeah, my podcast has loads of information. My website, which is tracycox.com, T-R-A-C-E-Y-C-O-X.com. Um, and the podcast, by the way, is called Sex Talk. So it's T-O-K, not Sex Talk for some people. So, but there is information out there. I mean, there are some pretty good websites out there. Anything that Kinsey has anything to do with is always, always very good. Justin Lee Miller, he does his uh, podcast and a blog called Sex and Psychology. That's very good. Mm. But yeah, my, probably my website has the basics. And the thing is, lots of people don't know the basics because you, you think, you, you think you're born knowing it, like, and no one ever really sits down. I mean, have you two ever sat down and said, oh, how do you actually give a man oral sex? What do you do? Do you, it's so rare. Do you yeah. No yeah. one does that. You know but what? That, I'll Cosmo. Cosmo. When we were growing yes. up, with all yeah, Cosmo. Cosmo. Well, I used to be editor of Cosmo in Australia. Oh, my gosh. So I was deputy editor, then associate editor. So that was my very early training and the reason why I left Cosmo and wrote my first book was that I did a practical guide on masturbation, which was all about put your finger there, move it through to like, usually <laughs> while you're doing that, do this, like very practical information. And no one else was doing it. And every Cosmo bought the story, every Cosmo ran with it. And, some, and then I got approached to a book deal, like, can we have more of this? And I said, fine. 
And that's my thing is practical stuff covering the basics so that when you're talking to your kids and you, you know, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you know what you're talking about and can explain it. Because if you don't know how your body works, how do you explain it? If you don't know how to make yourself orgasm, how's your poor partner supposed to find out? Right. Yeah. Well, Tracy, it's been, (laughs) it's been so incredible talking to you. You have such great energy. And I feel like, like I said earlier, you really are doing the work to breaking these cycles and educating females, men, anybody on the spectrum about their bodies. And I just applaud you. And this has been so fun, know, it's just so fun for us. We have to have you back. Okay, we have yeah, to have you back it. because because you, you're so incredible. And we're going to link to all of your uh, websites, your podcast, your books in our show notes so people can connect with you more. Right. And thank you so well, much. I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. <laughs> so I'd love to have, have a great evening for you. It's yeah, it is. It's, um, so it's five thirty-eight or something like that. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we're just getting going over here. So yeah, I know. But I know. now I'm I'm very awake. Now I'm like <laughs> I know. Awake. I'm very energized. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully I'll All see right, you well, both again. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, okay, Tracy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with her. I love her so much. I'm obsessed with her. Tracy, if you're listening, Corinne and I are about to get on a plane. We're coming to London. We're doing tea. We're going to get tea. (laughs) There's nothing we would love more. And seriously, we have to have her back, like at least we, we do. five more times. Because I feel like the way she just explains everything, it's so normal, it's so comfortable, and it's so informative. And she was like hilarious too. I know. And she just has a really great energy. Yeah. And I, I feel like, really like that her. conversation is beneficial for both men, mm-hmm. women, anybody on the spectrum of, of whatever that is, mm-hmm. non-binary. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's was really just about communication yes. and advocating for yourself. And honestly, ladies, send this to your man. Send this to your man. Because he'll learn a lot. And it's, in, it's not in a like negative way. No, it's just it's, like very informative. It's just real. Yeah. It just is Ugh. what it is. Love her. We love her. We love her. So we hope that you feel more comfortable to communicate your needs with your partner, learn some healthy sex practices, and feel empowered to advocate for yourself in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So Nat, okay, now that we've had our sex talk, should we circle back on this wine? Wait, what Dwayne. are we drinking again? It is the Joel Gott Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. And I believe I got this at Target. Oh, you bought a 2015? No, when I bought it, which was probably in 2016, <laughs> I just forgot that I had it. Okay, oh. so here's the thing. When I went home for the wedding, yeah. My dad was like, you have a box of like all your wine here. Like, can you oh. take it? And I was like, oh, shit. From my old house. Oh, so I, that's where this came from. That's where from. it came from. Okay. Well, let's introduce our hottie of the week. Do you mm-hmm. want to introduce him? Yes. This man is British. This man is has been in a healthy relationship for decades. decades. He has. And he has been named the sexiest man alive. <gasps> In 2015, the same year as this wine. wine. Wow. Wow. It's David Beckham. Yes. I feel like we had to do a British person for Tracy Cox. Obviously. Okay. So one to David Beckham. What do we think of this Sauvignon Blanc? Let me take another little sippy here. I think I also always say that. I think it's actually that turn. I don't think think it's over the hill. Mm -mm. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I would finish this glass. Like, if I got this at a restaurant, I'd finish it. Yeah. Yeah. I would drink it with food. I'm not just like a, you know, like, oh yes. my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think I have my rating. 
Okay, what's your rating? I was going to give it like a six and a half. I was going to say six. Okay. 6.25 out of David Beckham's. All right, this is the time of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game. And this week, we're playing something new, guys. We have a we new game. something new for you. Finally. I know. <laughs> this, is a, this is because we have Sophie now. Yes. And she's killing God the game. Bless. God bless She's killing Sophie. the game. So this week, we're playing overrated and underrated. underrated. So we each have an overrated, underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to reveal them. Yeah. So should we start with our overrated? Yes. Okay. Do you want to go first? Because yours, you've been very <sighs> passionate about whatever this is. No, no, no. I, my, my underrated is what oh, I'm passionate about. Oh, it's underrated. Okay. But my overrated, and I feel like this could potentially mess up my career. Uh-oh. Because it's somebody in the industry. Okay. I think The weekend is overrated. <gasps> overrated. Thank you. I just... Thank you. Okay. Really? Yes. Okay. I will say I loved The Weeknd when he first came out, when he had all those mixtapes with Mm -hmm. Drake. I was like, love this guy. And I just don't feel like his library is enough to do the Super Bowl. No. When he did the Super Bowl, I was like, are we kidding? He is one of the biggest artists, I think, out, but I just don't understand why. I don't. Yes. He's okay. I 100% agree. When he first came out, though, it was a moment. It was like in that era of like... Frank Ocean yes. Channel Orange mm-hmm. had just come out. It was mm-hmm. so that was a great time. It was a great time. And but this now this stuff, uh, uh it's not for me. It's not for me. And then the whole thing with like his the, face, the face. Yeah, and, I don't get that. The plastic surgery. Wow. Okay. Okay. I agree. You I agree. agree. Okay. Yeah. You agree with my overrated. What's your overrated? My overrated is movies. It's my theme is movies. Oh, okay. I was just like all movies. Or? No. 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 <laughs> And the movie that I'm choosing as being overrated is Dazed and Confused. Oh, okay. So Natalie and I, we need to actually do another yeah, one. Yeah, we need one. Natalie and I have been doing this like movie night where we watch like classics we haven't seen. Yeah. And we watched Dazed and Confused. Sorry, Joe. Uh, he actually suggested yeah. it. And we didn't love it. We weren't into it. It was just like there was no main character really. I didn't even know. I honestly now could not tell you what it's about. Um, yeah, it was really, it was like the last day of school, I guess. And then Matthew McConaughey was around. Uh, I did not think it was, I think it's very overrated. It was overrated a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, that's, that was a tough one. Yeah. Okay. So what, what is our underrated? Yeah. What? Well, I'm very excited about yours. I feel so passionately about this. Yep. I think one of the most underrated foods. Oh. Plain toast. Buttered toast. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, great buttered toast. Oh, my Get God. Get out of town. Oh, my God. With Kerry Gold butter on there? Like, and a really good butter on a sourdough or something? Oh, my God. Oh, my fuck God. Fuck me up. Fuck me up. So good. I think people forget toast exists. And then you have to have, like, not the one where the butter, the butter has to melt yeah. onto the, there's yes. a very certain type of toast. You get it right. Yep. I know exactly what you mean. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I know about. exactly you know what, what you're talking, talking about. about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is underrated. It's underrated. True. 100%. Okay. That, that's why I felt so passionate about it. Yeah. God, I love toast. Okay. What's your um, underrated? Okay. My underrated movie. Oh, okay. Both are movies. Both okay. are movies. Um, is Megan's Body. Oh. I think Megan's Body was so misunderstood. Is it Megan's Body? No, it's not. It's Jennifer's, Jennifer's Body. body. <laughs> Jennifer's Body. Sorry. Megan Fox was in it. Yeah. Jennifer's Body. Um, oh, it's a cult classic. 
But, like, I feel like it was so misunderstood when it came out yeah. that people were like, what the fuck? This was so bad. But it's like, they don't get it. was like a comedy. It's a comedy. It's a dark comedy. And people thought it was like a horror film. Oh, no, 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 no. If we you, loved it. We watched we it so much it. when we were younger. Yes. And we would even, this is embarrassing, we would even paint our middle finger black because she did <laughs> we that. We did? Yes, oh, we did. I think we did it for like your 16th birthday, to be oh, honest. Oh, my gosh. We're not going to talk about it. But um, I want to rewatch that. I haven't watched it Jennifer's in years. Bod? I know. We should watch it again. We should watch it again. It's so good. The Diablo Cody wrote it. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it through the lens of a dark comedy, it's genius. It's really, really good. So Jennifer's body, underrated. Agree. I think we were, we agreed we were, on all yeah. of them. Wow. We agreed on all of wow. ours. Look at us. Oh, Okay. Well, you guys, if you have any questions or topics that you want us to cover, feel free to DM us at am I doing this right pod or email us at am I doing this right pod at gmail.com. We're also still we're doing a little promo. We're doing a little promo. Yeah. So don't forget if you rate and review our podcast and you take a little screen grab, a little screenshot of it and email it to us, then you may potentially win. One of my candles. Yes. You're in the running for a candle. Mm-hmm. And we actually have a winner this week. Yes, we have a winner mm-hmm. this week. Um, it goes to Ashley. Ashley. Thank you so much for rating, reviewing, and emailing it to us. And you will be getting your candle very soon. Very soon. It's coming to you, straight to you. Thank you, Ashley. Um, and yeah, we will be back next week, next week with another, another episode. episode. Love, Love you. Guys. you.